So anybody who is a small business owner who has an insurance policy that has business interruption insurance, just trying to bring it down here, when they are considered a non-essential business and they're told to shut down from one of these orders, they have suffered loss of use of and function of their of their property. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. I'm tuned in online. We have I'm Rick Elsley. Oh, good. I was going to announce you, but we have Rick Elsley. He came right in. See, this man is already trained. Can you tell he is a trained be the new attorney? He's, he's he's already trained. I didn't have to say. I didn't have to say. Rick Elsley already said his name. So anyway, let me tell you a little more about him. He's a board certified trial attorney. He's a he's the former president of the Broward County Trial Lawyers Association. Graduated from honors from the University of Florida. We won't hold that against him here in Ohio. That's okay. And uh, he's a practicing. <laughs> personal injury attorney as well as insurance coverage attorney in South Florida for over 20 years. Rick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to try to help some people. Well, Rick, uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, you know, we've been, we've had, we've had special coverage working with Tunday and Axial and making sure that people know about opportunities and, and, and how they can have and how they can protect themselves, uh, protect themselves in this uh, unique and uh, for many every yeah. time, and um, we we've had a focus particularly on small businesses, and small businesses like everybody else are, are they're scared, and 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 they want to know how they can protect themselves, what rights they have, and so we're here from your from your area to really talk about opportunities with insurance because most small businesses have insurance, and they have in, insurance that could that that might actually cover them. And they may they may not know that, or they may be discouraged from doing that. So, we're, we're thankful, uh, Rick, that you would take the time to really walk us through that process because a lot of people need to know that. So, just speaking about that uh, business interruption insurance, what does that usually cover? What does that what does that mean? And how do you know if you have it? Well, business interruption insurance is something that most businesses have. Almost all businesses actually have within their business owner's policy. Um, business owner's policy, commercial general liability policy. Um, That's a lot of paper. Yeah, two different kind of policies, and there's a lot of paper. Um, But a business owner's policy is generally where you're going to find business interruption coverage. So just kind of some broad strokes. Uh, Business interruption coverage generally comes into play when a business – cannot function because the building is either damaged or there's loss related to the, the building. So typically what you see in um, business interruption coverage is you get a hurricane or a tornado or a flood, they have to close the doors, nobody can go in and then you lose business. Um, and so that's what the coverage is. Usually it's a couple of months that they'll cover you for and it's listed within the policy of Um, how much you're covered for. So every policy is different. Um, We're reviewing a ton of policies here. Uh, We're happy to do a free review for anybody. But the language of the policy... He's happy to do a free review for you. So Absolutely. So yeah, we're... I I think it's an opportunity to do it, you know. Info at LZ. I have my mother do do the review with you now. She has her own small business now that I think about it. And a few other clients, I'll have them look uh, just to see if they're looking at it. Because I just, you know, I didn't even think about this till... So we discussed. 
Yeah, so really with business interruption coverage, it is completely separate and apart from anything that the government is doing right now. So people might confuse it with the payroll protection program where you go to your bank and you fill out an application and you try to get some of the stimulus money that they've done twice. Or the economic disaster loan. That's also part of the same thing, yes. So this is another Which, avenue. By the way, we had a show on that. If you look at Corona and small businesses, if you want to look at that, it's one of our first shows on this. Go ahead, Rick. Okay. So um, this is just something in your financial toolbox. Um, and it's something that's very important, I think, for people to see, which is you already probably have this within your business within your business plan. And if you call your insurance agent, you ask them, hey, can you send me my business uh, owner's policy, my commercial general liability policy, um, you can email that to me at info at elsleylaw.com. And I'll review it for free. It's no problem. But basically, it's within the policy. And typically, you're going to see um, I want to say this as you get to that very quickly, yeah. and I want to have Tunde come in after you go through that. Uh, okay. Depending on how your your agent responds to you, this would be a note to if you and if and how you should continue the relationship. This moment in COVID nineteen, this is a this is a moment where where you're actually seeing if you have a transactional relationship with your with companies in general, but particularly your insurance company and your agent. You will know based upon. Mm-hmm how this goes forward because this is this is this is something insurance do, do, doesn't like to do is a, a lot of people that need to have this coverage all at the same time normally doesn't happen and it's not in their business calculation models so how you interact i would just say as advice and how your agent actually treats you in this moment and your insurance company treats you in, in this moment should be something that you should consider and if you're a business this is how you have to view your customers because this is a unique time and moment go ahead rick yeah, and, and let me just say this, and then I'll turn over to Tunde for a question. The basic thing that every business needs to know is whatever policy you already have, it's more likely than not that that business interruption coverage is there. So right. get on the phone with your agent right away. Get them to email you your policy. Um, I could talk more specifically about where we find the coverage and how the coverage is, and we can get into that. And I also just want to talk about sort of from, uh, from an overview that there is – some political will here at the state and federal level to make sure that this coverage gets paid. And we can go through that uh, as far as pending legislation and some things that President Trump has said about this. Uh, But go ahead, Tunde, I think you had wanted to ask something. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on, Rick. Um, This is great stuff because a lot of people think of insurance as just dry and boring. (laughs) <laughs> they might not be wrong, but it's very important. So it's uh, yeah, it is have, uh, resources like yourself who really understand this stuff. And Rob makes a great point about a transactional uh, relationship with an agent. And I would I would say maybe in my uh, thought, it's a little bit different um, that you want an agent that also understands what they're selling. Um, and I think we've all had that kind of yeah. experience where you call somebody to try and explain what they just sold you, and they can't even do it. So it's great to have Absolutely. like you, Rick. And, and on my side, you know, in our wealth management firm at Axial, um, we don't do property and casualty insurance. I'm not licensed for that. Usually we, um, we refer that out whenever a client needs that help. So the stuff that we can handle in-house are the personal uh, lines of insurance, such as life insurance, disability, things that do have their own nuances, but generally it's, it's more straightforward. I mean, if you die, the death benefit on the life insurance policy pays out, period. Um, and so I got a few calls actually kind of at the beginning of, uh, I guess, the ramping up of the lockdown, let's say in, in, in 
early April, late March, early April, um, from some business owner clients of ours who had disability insurance with us. And they were confusing that with business interruption insurance. Because they kept asking me, is, that gonna, is this going to pay me now that, that I can't like, open the business? And I said, well, unless you broke your back somewhere during the last week that I didn't know about, I don't think so. So right. can you explain, um, because I think language is so important in general in our lives, but with insurance contracts, we both know that language is extremely important. People don't realize that ins an insurance contract is really a legal contract between yourself and the insurance carrier. And so that's why there's a million pages of two-point font fine print. So if you can nuance out maybe- And as an insurance company, then yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. And like the nuance between disability, because I think we generally people understand it, but then the difference between something like that and what we're talking about here, like a business interruption. Because I think in some people in their mind, well, they're like, well, if I'm disabled or, or whatever, it's still an interruption. So what's the real uniqueness of business interruption insurance versus, you know, anything else? Yeah, like so, that's a good way. Like how you how does yeah. one actually define business interruption insurance? Essentially? So business income loss is loss that your business suffers because of an event. Um, and business interruption insurance is a product that is sold within the business policies. So just to contrast it with personal lines and disability insurance, somebody's disabled, they get hurt, they're losing income, but it's not income that their business is really losing as its own entity. So your business as your own entity, whether it's a corporation, a small corporation, a professional liability company, limited liability company, that business entity itself is suffering the loss. And the reason for that loss um, in this situation is this global pandemic. Um, so I, I hope that answers your question. It's not personal to the person. It's personal to the business. And it is included in these business uh, policies um, because business owners need to have this type of coverage when you have inter business interruption. So the first place to look in the policy, if you'd like me to kind of break it down a little bit, um, is is your declarations page, which is usually the, one of the first pages that you have, kind of looks like this. There's three or four pages to it. Um, and, you know, I have to block out what this particular one was because it's a client, but it's a business description. This will say what type of business you have, and that comes into play, it's very important. Um, but this will tell you if you have the coverage or not. And, and if you look at this on this line, it says business income, um, and with extra expense. And what that says is if you, it has a limits of insurance of 80,000 in this situation. So if you sustain, if this client sustains loss of business income of $80,000 over about three to four weeks, it should cover. And then the fight really is, well, what is the cause of the loss? And what is the definition of loss? So what we have been seeing, just to kind of get into this a little bit right. is- that, Yeah, that's a good point. Like what, what do insurance push insurance, back on? Yeah. So the insurance companies want to all say, and they've been doing a lot of public relations about this and don't even bother making the claim. And you'll call your agent and yeah. they'll tell you, uh, I'm not sending you the policy because you're not, you don't have it. It's not a physical loss to the business. The yeah. and if that agent is, says this, my advice to you is to, after this, get another agent and get another insurance company. Go ahead. You have a right to read that policy, which you probably already have somewhere in your system. Your agent should provide it to you like that. And your agent should say, listen, I'm not a lawyer. 
I don't know whether it's covered or not, and then give it to you. And you get that policy, you go to a lawyer, somebody interprets it for you. But <clears throat> what's typically happening is people are discouraged. And that's why the people who are listening to your program need to understand that within their own policy, let a professional look at it and advise them. And so what I'm seeing here and what we're getting a lot of are people calling and saying, hey, they told me I don't have it. What, what do I have? And there's a provision in these policies called civil authority. So if you have uh, business interruption coverage and a civil authority like a government, like um, Governor DeSantis did, and, and I have this um, for you that I emailed to you, but these are all the orders that Governor DeSantis had issued um, over the last month and a half saying that non-essential businesses have to close. So, and we know, have a I similar can, order here set in Ohio as well. Ohio's been very good about that, actually. Governor DeWine was really on top of that. But a non-essential business is, um, you know, is really going to be the key here because the governor is saying in most of these states that you have to close. Even local government, the mayor and city commission, when your business like a nail salon or, or a barbershop, anything has to close, um, this is when they need to look at this interruption policy because under the civil authority provision of the policy, the language of the policy, which gets into the weeds and gets to be esoteric, they will typically cover um, business interruption due to physical loss or damage. So the term physical loss or damage is the key operating terms that the insurance companies are going to use to say, oh, there's no physical damage. There's so many ways around that. Typically, we start with what are the definitions? Because what they're going to the try policy. to claim, just to break it down, folks, like you, like yeah. you said earlier, so <laughs> I want to make sure everybody is following. They're going to try to claim that because this is not like a tornado and something hits you directly like that right. or something like that that they've known or an earthquake, this is not an interruption like that. This is something that is doesn't apply. It is not the type of business. It's not the type of business interruption. I'm, I've, I've heard. But here's the key. You're correct. That's where the defense comes in. Right. Your insurance agent's going to say your building's open, even though you can't go because the law says you can't go. It's open. It's, it's, the building is not broken. There's no structural damage. What the key is this, what, what the key uh, situation is with this is you as a business owner have lost the use and function of that piece of property. You have, I'll say it again, you have lost the use and function of that office, uh, of that piece of property. Uh, that ran your business. And so this was a dance studio. And so they can't do dances. They can't have little kids do dances on this dance studio. Nah, I think that's um, over for a while. Yep. It's a non-essential business. So they have now suffered loss and it is the loss of use and function. Now the insurance company writes the policy and they write you know, what the type of business is. They know what type of business it is. Right. So it's not like there's some surprise for them. So it's akin to the fact that when you make a, a property, the best way that I can say this is if you um, have auto insurance and it covers you for the loss of your vehicle when it's stolen, that car is still in good shape. It's not damaged. There's no property damage to the car, but you're still going to get a check from the insurance company when they've stolen your car because you've lost the use and function of that property. It's the same situation here. You've lost the use and function of that business. So anybody who is a small business owner who has an insurance policy that has business interruption insurance, just trying to bring it down here, when they are considered a non-essential business and they're 
told to shut down from one of these orders, they have suffered loss of use of and function of their of their property. Um, it's a loss of business purpose. There's some other issues here too. With so before these you policies. get there, uh, before you get okay. there, I'm just trying to. So let's say you are now. Give me an tied, okay, I'm gonna give you an example. So you, the business, you can't. You're a. I don't know. You're a. You're you're a dentist. You're a dentist that can't open their business right now. But let's. And, and because of the orders that the, that the state has given, you can use that as a reason. That's one question. The second part is follow-up is what happens if the state reopens, says you can open, and then, you know, all hell breaks loose because, you know, everybody opened up too early and you don't get any, you, you, get, you get no customers coming in and it, it still doesn't function. How, how would that work? So there's two different issues. Two different one issues, is a, correct. Yeah, so one is a civil authority, which is an easier issue because okay. you're now mandated. What am I going to do, break the law? You know, right. that's the law. That's a little bit easier to make the argument. The second is a market is a function of the market. So if people are legally, if you're legally able to open, but people are scared to death because they don't want to go out and get their hair cut or they don't want to be near anybody and you lose business from that, it's a harder argument to make that you're entitled to coverage. Um, it, we can discuss that, and it depends upon the language of the policy. Uh, but the, you know, and for a dentist, by the way, um, that's a little of a mixture because they are yeah. sort of healthcare providers, um, and you have to kind of look at the local jurisdiction. Each one of these will describe. Each one of these orders will describe. But some dentists can't do regular type. work; can only do emergency work. And does that count? I mean, this you see how this stuff gets complicated yeah. real quick. Each is fact fact specific, and then language specific in your policy. But people so, should explore. I mean, I, I, the point you made earlier that uh, the industry in general this is this is this is a criticism of the industry. The, it, what what they do is I was going to say it's not a criticism of the industry, but it really is. I mean, the the insurance industry criticizes the insurance industry. I'm yeah, okay. I have no problem doing it. Yeah, I was I guess I was trying to be politically correct, but I'm like, what the hell for? Uh, it's it's. <laughs> Their goal is to not spend money. Like this is their business model. It's how insurance works. So uh, they're going to put these general campaigns to try to discourage mass claims from coming in. But from the audience points of, uh, from, from, from the audience point of view, if you're a small business, it is in your best interest to explore. Listen, like all the, the only thing that could happen is you, you're not covered. But the worst thing that can happen is you're covered, you don't pursue the claims, and you miss out on an opportunity to recover 8000 100000 whatever your policy right. covers. You have the opportunity to protect yourself. Why would you not do it? And two points on that. Even if you get payroll protection coverage, if you've gotten the money uh, to cover your you're payroll, one of those few. you can, yeah. well, you know, you could still make the claim on your, on your insurance. And um, if you are able later to... Um, have that uh, payroll protection forgiven, then it might have an effect on what you get here. But mm. without getting too much in depth on that, most people who keep their employees, it will be That's a like, forgivable loan money. by the government. Go after and there the won't money. be any, you won't have to pay anything back. I so, agree. But I wanted to touch on something real quick that you bring in a broader sense. The push from the insurance industry has been very publicly, we're not covering these. But President Trump and Congress there's actually a bill in Congress that's, that was filed April 10th, if you let me just kind of tell you, um, that uh, that's the Business Interruption Insurance Coverage Act of 2020. It's a pending bill right now filed by a congressman in California. 
quote, to make available insurance coverage for business interruption losses due to viral pandemics, forced closures of businesses, mandatory evacuations, public safety, power shutoffs, and for other purposes. So what this is basically is a congressional bill, may or may not pass, that just says any of these exclusions in business interruption policies, because there's a big one called virus exclusion that we see all the time. There's ways around that, but Congress and many of the states, in fact, um, like seven states, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Ohio, are all having bills saying we got to cover this. Um, and that's a big discussion because it's a constitutional situation where the government now is going to say what can be in a policy and what can't. Right. But the insurance companies have responded to that by saying, hey, we're happy to pay these policies. We don't think we need to, but we're happy right. only if the government bails us out. Oh, um, of course. That's, and, always, and, that's always the line, right? <laughs> right. But President Trump spoke on this on April 10th. And he said at his press conference, he says a lot of things at his press conference, but I liked hearing what he said here, which is, quote, you have people that have never asked for business interruption insurance, and they have been paying a lot of money for a lot of years for the privilege of having it. And then when they finally need it, the insurance company says, we're not going to give it. We can't let that happen. That's President Donald Trump. Well, let's hope that means something in terms of people's lives and uh, tune day. What do you think? On the other side of that, though, and this is where Tunde comes in. Hold on, last, last thing. This is where Tunde comes in. The other side of that is if the insurance companies are forced to pay these claims and it's another government bailout, they're talking about $840 billion a month, the insurance companies have said through their lobbyists, that they would have to cover and they would all go down. So with that, that's kind of what we're set up with here. It's hmm. interesting. Everyone's at risk of going bankrupt, right? Yeah. Welcome um, to the club. No, so I um, a couple of things stood out on that on that conversation, Rick, and I appreciate it because it's really interesting stuff. So, like again, mm -hmm. going back to because I don't know where everybody is who's watching this. So, uh, Governor DeSantis is for Rick and I here in Florida. I know you have Governor Dewine in uh, Ohio, Rob. But um, what I find interesting with with that conversation, Rick, is the essential versus non-essential business. Because remember, for example, the big thing that was all over the news a few weeks ago was Governor DeSantis here in Florida when he had a list of essential businesses, and one of them was the World Wrestling uh, Organization, you know, yeah. WWE. Yeah. <laughs> so my point is, is that I might not be considered a non-essential business, kind of, you know, wealth management, financial services type of business, um, and someone else might be here in Florida because of the governor's decision. I'm wondering, number one, if I am an essential business, but let's say maybe I own the business, but I, I'm a diabetic or I have asthma, I've got some issue that I'm really susceptible to this virus and I just think it's my own, you know, I'm signing my own death wish if I should right. own business. Is there any recourse for someone like that, number one? Number two, just to address and I'll get it out of me, is... Um, so I grew up in Washington, D.C. is where I'm born and, and from. So I'm just thinking about like a, a good small middle-sized business, let's say in the greater DC area or the tri-state New York, you know, you've got certain states that are so much like, let's say I had three or four office locations or, mm -hmm. uh, or something like that, but somewhere on Northern Virginia side, somewhere in the Maryland side, and maybe I even had an office in DC. Well, I've got now a governor of Maryland, a governor of Virginia, and then the mayor of Washington DC, they're all gonna have different ideas of what mm -hmm. that business 
means to that state or that 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 city. So, it, has there been any uh, <clears throat> like recourse for people in those uh, you know situations, or like you said, is this so new? Because I, I agree with you on the constitutionality of it. Because what a lot of people don't realize is, unlike the banking sector and with like securities like the SEC. Um, insurance companies have to meet the smell test of each insurance commissioner's office within a state. Mm-hmm. So really, they had to go and pass the smell test in 50 individual states. So I guess to your point, it's each state has the ability also to tell an insurance right. company how they can operate within the state, which makes this even more confusing. So I guess, yeah, speak to some of that, those nuances per state and per, per locality. Two things on the first part of your question regarding businesses that have offices in different states. Um, your policy is going to have a list of your locations. It's usually listed um, in one of the pages of your policy. So if the address, you have four offices or you have four locations where you have your business, like one of those trampoline jump zone places or something, if they've got them everywhere, um, uh, it's going to, your policy will regulate that. So let's say you have one in Maryland and then one in Pennsylvania, but they're different on their, their law. Um, your insurance policy will cover whichever one suffers the business loss from that location. Um, so you, you will be covered in, uh, for any location, essentially. As far as uniform legislation, there really isn't unless Congress from a federal level comes in and, and steps in with these insurance companies and mandates that they cover these business interruption policies. It starts with, does your policy actually have business interruption insurance? Most business owner policies do. And then it'll show what addresses those insured locations are for. Whichever one of those locations loses money because of this, that's where, you know, or all of them, that's where right. you can make your claim from. On the, uni- on the, um, the uniformity of, of the states, uh, if, you know, Maryland or Pennsylvania are different in what they're doing, how does that, is that what you're asking me? Like, how does that affect? Yeah, like, like how, if, if, if I had the business in, you know, one state, or let me put it this way, maybe it's not so much the insurance carrier, it's also, it's such a unique time because the governors are making decisions about who can be open and who can't. So, it's it's going to yeah. be state by state. You, you should be very busy with this, uh, Rick, for a long time. I think you're going to be. I am. <laughs> and and the, the issue is, ultimately, are the policies going to cover it? Because I'm a small business and I do this on a, on a contingency fee basis, which is you don't pay me by the hour. We look at everything and if we are able to make a claim, it's a contingency fee at the end. Right. So I have to make a business decision about whether each one of these particular policies has a shot of making it. And I think, yeah, I think for the most part, the policies that I have seen for these business owners, the people who are suffering out there and looking for, you know, any avenue that they already may even have in their policy, it's definitely worth a shot. Business interruption policies uh, should cover loss of use and function of that business, no matter what state it's in, no matter where it's located. And, um, it's really much easier, I think, of an argument when there is a civil authority, a government, state, or local that says you cannot open. So, so the speaking about that, that so let, let me ask another uh, variation of that question. So let's take it as an essential business that might rule it out okay. there. But well, no, I, no, I know but, of some healthcare right. uh, organizations that I, I talked to recently that you know people think that they're doing well. They are actually not doing well because 
because of you can you can argue because of what the government said they have to be they have to prepare for all of these extra hospitals this mm-hmm. extra inve- uh, extra hospital beds this extra investment they had to make and they couldn't do elective surgeries that bring in a lot of income so you got two of those things going on and then you know at least in Ohio the, the the projections didn't get there because we we did a good job of yeah. taking it seriously on the front end. So the so they never had this overflow of hospital beds and things like that, like they have in other areas. So you have to pay all of that money for that extra infrastructure to support the models that the government and others thought was going to happen <clears throat> happen. Plus, you're losing income here. Do you think it's possible that a healthcare organization could qualify under their under those circumstances? Be that but knowing that they're actually essential services, so they're still open, but they can't be all the way open. Does that make sense? So, yes. And you make the point about something called extra expense. They go and get more beds. They get more equipment. They've got to get more PPE that they didn't really expect because of what's going on in their state. That's actually covered in most of these policies, business interruption and extra expense. So um, it's within your policy for the extra expense. The question though, that's more preliminary is, essential or non-essential. Most of the orders do not say, um, you know, I keep showing this, but there's so many of them and they're all but they don't really describe essential services within a business or not. So if a doctor is on call and goes to the emergency room, but he's not doing the elective hip replacement, but he is going in to, to, you know, help this situation, he has lost business income because Significant. That total hip replacement, you know, is more lucrative than some of the other things. So it's definitely worth looking at. Um, but the orders don't necessarily say, hey, a doctor is essential for this, but not this. You have to really look at each individual order in whatever location you're in, state and local, because these orders are being issued all the time. And so keeping up with them is hard, but it's the language of the order. And I'm just going to kind of say that for the most part, I would believe for the most part, they're not going to say whether it's the service. It's just more the industry. That makes it more likely than not. It wouldn't be covered. It sounds like, but obviously pursue it. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, but you got to look at the, everything comes down to what are the facts? What is the business described as within the policy? What does the policy language actually say? And then what is the current law in your state? You know, we as lawyers rely on case law. So right. there's a lot of like, prior precedent for each one of these issues, depending on your state. Well, how would you go about actually trying to get, what's the best way to gather evidence if you think you may have a claim and what should you do to start so, preparing? So the main, the main thing you need to do is, number one, get your policy. Number two, make sure you're paid on your policy for all your premiums. <laughs> so they can't tell you, oh, you didn't pay premium last month, your policy's void. Yep. So just check that, make sure you have that. Those are the two things, your policy and your, and your proof of your premium payments. The second thing is, I would say go and look at your, at your, pro, uh, your P&L, your profit and loss statement for the last couple of years. Have that gathered because that's going to show what's happened to you in the past. And you can then demonstrate the losses that you've had over the, next, or, you know, over the last month or two. Um, so do you think, you can, I, do, I just thought about this. Proof. I know a marketing company I, I work uh, I'm aligned yeah. with. Um, and I know they lost significant amount of contracts due yeah. to COVID because everybody stopped marketing. I mean, do you think the, that might be covered then too? Absolutely. And the best policies actually are event planning companies um, because the event planning companies, 
again, I'm going to show you this. Every policy has so many different provisions, and they're all tailored individually, generally, to different types of businesses. So your marketing company that you just mentioned, or event planning companies, their policy language is going to cover a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, but they're all different. It's, insurance is not a one-size-fits-all. But that marketing company absolutely is probably going to be covered for this because uh, there's going to be a, a lot of losses. And again, they've lost the use and the function of their ability to do the work. Right. Well, let, let's actually say someone gets denied. They, they're following your advice um, and they get denied their claim. And what would you advise that they do at that point? Well, hopefully they would call. They would have called me before they made the claim. Yeah, I always tell people this is a good point because I'm a lawyer too, and I <laughs> and, and I tell folks, you know, it would have been better to hire me before you did this than after. But I'll come. But it's always much more absolutely expensive to you. So, so if there's someone out there listening and they've called their agent and they've written their letter and they've submitted, you know, their stuff and there's a denial letter, usually the denial letter will quote the language of the policy for the denial. It's no physical damage. That's what they're saying. You're out that's when they can send me their policy, the letters. And what we will then do is um, read it very carefully and make sure we, we can make a good claim. And then we'll file the lawsuit, usually in a declaratory judgment action, um, uh, so that we can have a judge declare what is covered and what is not covered. Um, I actually had one the other day where the, the, they paid some of it. They wouldn't pay the full four weeks. They paid some of it. And that was a little bit easier because we weren't fighting coverage. So right. in that situation, we were fighting what their exposure was, and that's a lawsuit for a breach of contract. And the defense was not that you didn't have a contract or it wasn't covered. That's a smarter just, play by the insurance company, though. That's what I was like. I, yeah. I don't know. I think <laughs> if I were the insurers, I would maybe deny coverage in some ways because then every time they deny, it's more discouraging for people who don't have the lawyer. Yeah. You know, if you pay somebody who doesn't have a lawyer, uh, if you're the insurance company and they get a little bit um, and they think they're entitled to more, well, the insurance company's not denying coverage all. The, the tough yeah. fight is the coverage fight. It makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm doing free policy reviews all the time, and you see all kinds of different policies come in. It's just really interesting based on the industry. So, no, quick question. Go ahead, Janelle. Uh, go ahead. Because you've used that term, uh, business insurance. So, I know that, you know, not everyone listening is going to be an insurance uh, kind of expert and, and be able to go through all these caveats. What type of policy are you really referring to? Because normally when I see business owners say they have a policy, it's like a general liability policy. So there's, there's, there's a commercial general liability policy, which will cover liability of the business. Somebody slips and falls at their business. Within that policy, sometimes there's also business owners insurance or business property insurance. So that insures the property. So the policies that I think will cover this that have the business interruption are the commercial general liability policies and the business owner's policies. Um, business owner's policies are generally part of what you get when you get a commercial property uh, policy. So this, this whole package is a commercial liability policy and a commercial uh, property owner's policy. Um, but business owners policies is generally what it's called. So any business out there listening, call your agent and say, I want my commercial general liability policy. I want my commercial property policy. I want my business owners policy. Typically any business that rents space from, you know, uh, a shopping center or a retail establishment, that landlord, um, even an office building is going to require all of these policies in order for you to sign a lease. 
Um, and that's the other thing I just wanted to mention. Any business that has a lease that they're having problems with, sometimes leases have provisions in there that will help get this done. It's not that they'll cover it, but you may be able to get some of your money back from the landlord in certain situations under the lease. Um, and so that's just another way to help, you know, small business owners out there. Oh, that I didn't know that. Ways. Yeah. That's good to so, know. So, yeah, but it starts with the policy, you know, and um, <laughs> it's going to be a big fight. But, yeah, well, um, that, that's why you have fighters. That's why you have lawyers. And Rick, that's why we appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, I'm realizing I'm deficient because I'm the only non-lawyer on here. I, I picked the wrong career. You guys, you guys. Yeah, no, no, you didn't. You picked <laughs> well, the actually, right Tune, you're really the center of the wheel because you're the quarterback as a financial planner. And you there say, you well, go. your business needs coverage. You need this. People are going to go through you too. Being so. a lawyer is doing homework for a living all your life, and it's a high, high-powered secretary. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not really. That's how it is. Um, well, wait till we get in court. We can talk about all those things with the, with the trials, the Zoom trials. Exactly. And stuff. Um, final question, just kind yeah. of very, very different here. What's do you have any um, hope for what happens in the post-COVID nineteen world? What's your What's your hope for what happens here? After we get you mean in the legal space, in the legal space, or just I'm, how people legal space interact? general? Uh, I'm just just want to get your just want to get your uh, get your thoughts. Two things. I think the legal space is going to get much more complicated and busy. Um, most lawyers I know and my colleagues and, and we have meetings on this once a month. Uh, excuse me, once a week with the judges. We're doing everything by Zoom hearings. We're going to do a mock jury trial to see if that works, which will be very interesting. But the legal process is continuing. Um, uh, the chief judge here in Broward County has issued an order against moving forward with foreclosures, kicking people out of their houses. It's on hold right now, but hearings, depositions, mediations, I have one tomorrow, um, are ongoing. So I think the legal situation, I mean, laws regulate everything that will be okay and good. Um, but I think from a human standpoint, and I saw a video on this, that's been viral everywhere. This guy in uh, England wrote a, a lullaby to his son from 20 years ago about how we did, it was very poignant about how everybody kind of focused inside and within each other, even though we were separate and the world came out better. And you, I can't remember what it is now off the top of my head, but well, that's it was really beautiful, very, very hopeful. Um, so my answer is I think people will recognize how important their family and friends are to them, their colleagues. I mean, People in my office believe we miss each other. You know, you miss that personal interaction. I think people will take that um, much more to heart and we'll stop taking things for granted. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful about it once we can just get through all the crap. Yeah. Rick Elsley, I appreciate it, man. It was great having you on. Thank you for the time. I enjoyed it.